a voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? And here is the conundrum of the old world. What can be said that hasn't been said already? When trouble comes, what is there left to say? As one of my professors in seminary said, you'll know if you're a true preacher or not when you get to the graveside and either have a word to share or do not. There is a word to share, after all, and Isaiah brings it to us, John brings it to us, and I relay it now to you. There is a word for you in this season of Advent. When we are tempted, by the way, on the left and the right, to try to prepare ourselves to be better at giving and loving and living, we're always working at this, yet the word, this word, God's word says, stop. This word, this Advent says, all people are like grass and flowers, which fade and die when the breath of the Lord blows upon them. There is no improving yourself, though we will keep trying, won't we? But the Lord tells Isaiah, the grass withers and the flower fades, yet it is the word of the Lord that will stand forever. And here is your hope. And here you are prepared in this one word, this one Jesus Christ, who takes away your sin. And he has. Amen. And that, in a nutshell, is Advent. It is hearing the one word which says it is finished, above all other words which say there's still time for you to figure it out. Certainly we are tempted to believe that Advent is about preparing ourselves or at the very least waiting for Christ, yet he has already come. And here in this word and here in these sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper given for you, he comes. Now it is true, and we heard from Peter, that he will come again. We say in the creed to judge the living and the dead. This will happen in our sight, but that judgment has already taken place on the cross. This we hold in faith. It is true that Christ will come again to bring an end to this old world full of sin and false hope. And I can recall another seminary professor, Roy Harrisville, preaching about this, saying it will be quite the bonfire of the vanities as he preached from the chapel at the seminary. And he said, and even the organ will burn up in this bonfire which is hard for us to fathom, but all will burn so that the new may come in. So Christ will come before our eyes to bring in the new heaven and the new earth where his true righteousness will reign. But this victory has already been won on the cross, and you are held in this victory now. In that new heaven and earth, you are held in faith. This is indeed why Isaiah can preach Comfort, comfort my people. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill made low, and the rough places made plain and flat and smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be re revealed, and all the people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You will see what you now hear. I know when you look around this old world, and perhaps in your own life as well, it doesn't all look like comfort. It doesn't look like everything's working out the way we think it should. 
It doesn't look like things have been prepared, at least the way we think they should be prepared. But comfort now comes through a word, a tender speaking that the penalty of sin has been paid. And it is double for all our sins, Isaiah says. That is double the penalty for Christ who went to the cross, but double the benefit now for you, for you have eternal life. So enter John the Baptist, the one Isaiah was speaking of, the voice crying in the wilderness, preparing the way for Jesus. Now there was a preparation taking place. In that day, blowing the cobwebs off of hundreds of years of sleepy hope that the Messiah would one day arrive, but hadn't yet. A true advent. John was there to say, wake up, for he, Christ, is here. Mark tells us this was the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. This is how it all started. Not with visual fireworks, not with some notion of what justice looks like, but with the word. And the word coming from a fairly wild-looking preacher. By the way, I can recall some years ago from this pulpit comparing John the Baptist to a sort of Bob Marley-type figure, a lone voice in the wilderness. Maybe he had dreadlocks, maybe not. Maybe he just needed to wash his hair. Perhaps he had an earthy smell about him, this John the Baptist. He was not, perhaps, the kind of guy that gets the best table at the kind of restaurant that has the best table. That wasn't John, but then John wouldn't care anyway, would he? Because he was out there eating honey and locusts. Now, our tour guide, when we went to Israel last year, tried to convince us that John the Baptist wasn't eating grasshoppers, but seeds from the locust tree, and I refuse to believe this. I think grasshoppers all the way for John. And he wasn't singing No Woman, No Cry or Buffalo Soldier, but he was singing the song of repentance. For this Messiah, this Jesus Christ, was coming not just to deal with somebody else's injustice, he was coming to deal with yours, with your sin against God and against your neighbor. So John sang this song, which is a lonely song, by the way, when you start telling other people about their sins. You don't get a lot of backup singers for this kind of song, yet the people came. They heard truth in what he said. Prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Now, maybe John was a bit out of tune, at least out of step with the fashions of the day, all decked out in camel hair as he was. Given that our Advent theme this year is the clothing of the king, you might quibble about John's choice of fashion, but his word was right on, right in beat with God the Father, clearing the decks for God's repentance and forgiveness. And how did this come about? How was the way prepared? Well, it was baptism. The same for you. John said, Jesus Christ is coming, and he brings a baptism that saves you from your sin and defeats the many lies of the devil and on that day will raise you from the grave. That is what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you who have been baptized have exactly that. And here is your preparation, already done for you. And so there is nothing left for you to do. I don't know if you believe me when I say that. There's nothing left for you to do. But hear this word again when you forget it. 
Now, as I say that, I know even in the back of my mind, there are things for me to do, it seems like, for it is the month of December, after all, and we are busy. Certainly, we're busy here at the church, getting things ready for this word to be heard, not only in Advent, but Christmas, in worship, in children's programs, in special gatherings. Last week, the words of Isaiah and Christ and the Apostle Paul were lifted up in this very sanctuary as the South Dakota Symphony and Chorale delivered Handel's Messiah. And what a delivery it was. The words we heard this morning, comfort, comfort, O my people, were sung with great beauty. And later, he shall feed his flock, melisma and all, proclaiming that Christ will feed you with nothing other than the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper and his holy word. He shall feed his flock, and you are fed in this way. Certainly, there was much planning and many rehearsals that made such a proclamation so special. And this setting was beautiful as well with the garlands and the lights and the Advent blues. And that took work and effort on the part of volunteers and staff. This all takes work and preparation in this old world. But now, I want you to know that you are already prepared by Christ. So too, in your own life, I know you have a hard time believing this, for December is full of to-do lists, gifts, to buy meals, get-togethers, decorations. Now, there could be much joy in this, and there should be, but it never seems done. At our own house, we still have work to do with Christmas lights. Our house has a couple of outlets under the eaves that I discovered when we bought it, and I thought, well, this is perfect for Christmas lights. You can plug them right in, and when I went to test them out earlier this month, no power. I searched all over the house for a GFCI outlet that was tripped. Nothing. I thought there must be a secret switch somewhere in the attic, in the basement, in a closet. I searched all over and there was nothing. So finally, I, at the urging of my wife, called the previous owner and said, tell me about these outlets. And he said, well, I haven't used them in five years, but they worked then. He said, but there are a few switches in a couple closets. You might look there. So I looked again, and indeed, uh, in a dark corner of a coat closet I hadn't found, there was a switch. And indeed, it turned the lights on and off. Problem solved. Check off the checklist. Now, and, and it was a great discovery. I was dancing around the house saying, this is outstanding. But I haven't gotten any lights up since then. <laughs> the checklist is never finished. The preparation doesn't seem done. But now I remind you that you now are fully prepared, lights or not, in Christ already. And this is your advent. What was once hidden is now revealed. And it's not in some coat closet. It's right here in this word for your sake. What was once darkness is now light. It is so on account of Christ. For while the flowers and the grass of this old world fade and die, including our preparations, and our very lives, the word of the Lord endures forever. We heard this last week from Christ and now from Isaiah, and this word, this Jesus, is now comfort and forgiveness. And so now for you, you who are baptized, you have been prepared. There is nothing left to do but hear this word of comfort. You are forgiven, you are prepared, you are perfect. In Christ.
Amen.